message from Valley Bible Fellowship. It is our sincere prayer that you're richly blessed through the ministry of the Word. For more information about VBF, visit our website at vbf.org. I was reading in the book of John this week and uh, the account of the crucifixion. And in that story, we have all the elements. We have Jesus is betrayed by one of his closest friends, and that had to hurt. I mean, that had to be a big deal. He had just spent the last three years with these men, these young men, and one of them turned on him. But he had to do it. It had to happen. And so Jesus is arrested. He's brought before the high priest. He's condemned before the high priest, but then he's brought before the Roman leader, Pilate. And Pilate and Jesus have a conversation. I don't know if you've seen the movie Passion of the Christ, but that conversation is portrayed in that movie. I, I've studied this uh, quite a bit. And, and uh, what's fascinating to me about this story is the context of the conversation. Pilate is asking Jesus, who are you? What did you do? Why are you here? And Jesus basically tells Pilate that he's there to bear witness to the truth. And then he says that everyone who is of the truth listens to my voice. And then Pilate turns to Jesus and he asks a question. He says, what is truth? And in the Passion of the Christ movie, you know, it's uh, portrayed as kind of a philosophical question. What is truth anyway, right? But I, 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 I did some studies and I, and I realized that Jesus and Pilate would have spoken different native tongues. They had different languages growing up. Jesus spoke Aramaic and that was his first language. Pilate spoke Latin. That was his first language. But they both would have understood and been able to speak Greek. And so coming together, it makes sense that they would have spoken the language that they both knew, which was Greek. And so when Jesus used the word truth, he used the word, the Greek word for truth, which is aletheia, whereas Pilate would have understood the Latin word for truth, which is veritas. Now, veritas truth is much different than aletheia truth. Veritas truth is named after the goddess veritas, and the goddess veritas was known to be elusive, hard to find. She hid herself in a well. She was, she was very difficult to find. And so Pilate being the upper echelon Roman that he was, would have understood Veritas as, you know, the, the, the educated, the wealthy, the elite can have this knowledge and have this truth. But the poor can't. The people that are commoners, they can't know everything. They can't know all the truth because they don't have the education. And in those days, and I think in these days too, people used information as power. They used information to uh, control people. And we've seen this happen quite a bit lately. But aletheia truth, the Greek word for truth, where Jesus, the, the word that Jesus used is much different. 
the best way for me to explain it is if I had a pot of stew and I opened up the lid and I showed you and you were able to see it, you are able to smell it, you could even taste it, you could experience it. That's what aletheia truth is. The, the word actually means an uncovering, an unhiddenness. And I was thinking about our church and who we are and what we stand for. And what we stand for is the truth. We're not trying to control anybody. We're not trying to force anybody to make a decision. We just believe we found something so good that we want to share it with you. And we want to uncover what was hidden to you. And I don't know anybody better than my dad to come out and talk to you about this and talk to you about what it means to find the truth. Jesus said, Jesus said he was the way, the truth, and the life. And so we believe that, that he is the truth. He is the one. Once you meet him, everything changes because all of a sudden you have your sins forgiven. And with that comes a connection with God that we don't deserve. I'm shocked when I wake up in the morning and God is there saying hello. I'm shocked, but he's there because of what Jesus did. And so I'm going to encourage you guys right now to listen, not just to the words of a man, but to the words of the the, the Bible, the words of, of, of these ancient times, the words of Jesus himself. And I want you to realize that we're not trying to pressure anybody today to make any decisions. What we're doing is we're, we're offering the truth. We're showing you what we have found to be real. And it would be a shame for us not to share it with you. So I love you guys. I'm going to have my dad come out right now, and he's going to talk to you, okay? Good morning and happy Easter. Did you hear? He's alive. And you know what? He told me he's coming back. Could be today. Could be today. So as Josh said, what is truth? That's a great question for today, right? We're being lied to in so many fronts. Social media throws all this stuff on. Sometimes there's no truth to it. Sometimes our politicians, sometimes it's syndicated news. Can I tell you that facts aren't the same as truth? For example, most people don't believe in the God of the Bible. That's a fact. Most people have reasons for why they don't believe in the God of the Bible. That's a fact. But does that believe that the God of the Bible is not real and true? No, it doesn't. The world gives us four factors today to determine truth. And those four factors are congruence, consistency, coherence, and usefulness. See, I am a person who truly believes that every word in that Bible is inspired by God. I mean, I believe every word. Probably a lot more than a lot of people do. I believe with all of my heart that heaven is real. I believe with all of my heart that I can pray circumstances changed. I believe with all of my heart that angels are real, demons are real, the Holy Spirit is real, hearing God's voice is real, and you can hear His voice. 
Now, let me ask you a question. Is that congruent? That's the first step to determine if a truth is a theory or truth. Is it congruent? Yes. All of these things I just mentioned, they're congruent with the Holy Word of God, because the Word teaches that. They're congruent with the way the church in the book of Acts live their life, and they're congruent with the way my life works. Number two, are they consistent? For example, prayer. I've said it before, and I'll say it again. My wife and I cannot remember one time in our life that our prayers were not answered when we were instructed by God to keep praying. Not one time. Fervent prayer has worked for me and my wife for almost 50 years, consistently, ongoing. God's voice has been consistent. I've had two cancers now that have threatened to take my life, and God of the heavens spoke to me and said, you will not die, and I didn't die. He has told me many things, and all of them come to pass. Next, is it coherent, or is it logical? Is it rational? Is it reasonable? Yes. God sent His Son, Jesus. Jesus left. He left the church on the earth, and He said, you carry out business for me. How could we do that without praying things changed? How could we do that without hearing God's voice? How could we do that without angels helping us and spiritual authority over demons? Yes, it is coherent. Now, let me take you back to an Old Testament story. Is it useful? I almost left it out. Yes, very useful, obviously. Let me take you back to an Old Testament story for a few minutes this morning. And it begins in Genesis and Exodus. It has a lot to do with the resurrection of Christ. You'll see in the end. God's people are living in bondage in Egypt. They have become slaves of the Egyptians. Their life was to serve the Egyptians. It was a drag. Every day they'd get up at sunup, sunset, sunrise, excuse me, and they'd work till sunset, and then make bricks, they'd do whatever the Egyptians told them to do, and their life became such a drudgery. It was the same old, same old every day. No purpose, no fulfillment. Hello, is anybody listening on the internet or here? Just maybe that describes some of you here today in your life. You get up, you go to work, you work your eight or ten hours, you come home, Slam down a couple beers, fight with the wife, fight with the kids, watch a little bit of television, maybe smoke some dope, I don't know. Go to bed, get up the next day, the same-o, same-o. No fulfillment in life, no satisfaction. You're never able to get ahead. You're never happy. Like the Rolling Stones in the 60s, I can't get no what? Can't get no satisfaction. Now, in the Old Testament story, the people, their life was a drudgery, so they cried out to God for deliverance, and God raised up a deliverer with a message for them, and that's exactly what He's doing for you today, working the same way. 
His name was Moses. My name is Ronaldo Luigi Pasquale Romani Ovietti. And Moses came along with some good news. He told them that the way they were living life was not the way God had purposed for them to live life. Hello. He told them, God has much, much more for you than what you settle for. He told him, he said, God has a land that he always wanted you to live in. He didn't want you to live in Egyptian bondage. He was just waiting for you to cry out. Hello. He called the land that he was going to give them the promised land. He said, this land flows with milk and honey. It's a land I want you to live in where you'll have purpose, you'll have mission, You'll have fruit to show for your labor. He said, it'll be a lifestyle full of adventure, excitement, and fruitfulness. Now, the New Testament spiritualizes things from the Old Testament. We don't have a physical promised land to live in, but God said, you have a spiritual promised land to live in. And if you move into this land by faith, every promise in the book will become true in your life. I have found that to be true. Is anybody else? Say amen if you, if you found that to be true. You give, you get back. You pray and things change. You hear God's voice, you obey, and you get the victory. Now, I never dreamed when I was a young man that some years later I'd be living the life that I'm living today where I have prayer answered consistently. I fight with very real demons, and they're subject unto me just like they were the apostles and the people in the New Testament. I can't believe that I have real angels on my side. I can't believe that I'm an integral part of God's plan for this earth. Now, back to the story. Moses, knowing about God's promise of the promised land, he decided to check out the promise for himself. Now, listen to me. I might be preaching next Sunday, I don't know. I preach this sermon every two years. Sermon's title is, Why Not? See, I heard a lot of things preached over the years, but there came a time that I decided to check them out for myself. I wanted to see if God really spoke. I took him at his word, and I found out he does. I wanted to see if I could curse the works of darkness like Jesus did the fig tree, and I, find out, I found out that I could. I wanted to find out if demons were real, and I did. I could go on and on, but I never dreamed that I would have this lifestyle. So Moses, he says, let's check the land out for ourselves. Let's see if it's really what God said it was. So he sent 12 spies out to check the land out. He says, go see if it's as good as God says it is. And I want you to see what we're up against if we decide to go into the land and settle there. He says, here's what I want you to do. Check out the people. Are they strong or weak? Are they few or many? Check out the land. Is it good or bad, fat or lean? Are there trees or no trees? We want to know. Check out the cities. Are they open camps or are they fortified? So these spies went up, 12 of them, for 40 days and scoped out the land. And they saw that the fruit was ever a bit as good as God said. Can you imagine they picked one cluster of grapes and it took two men to carry that one cluster on a pole. That's how big the grapes were. 
They're the size of melons. And they checked out the pomegranates and the figs, and they saw that the fruit was really there, just like God said it would be. But there were giants there. And they specifically say in the text the giants were in the Hebron area. That's where they were at. Now, I bring this point out to you because later on we will see Caleb was about, he was the oldest guy of all the spies. He was 85 or 90. But he said, my strength is just as good right now as it was when I was 20 years old. If I could beat you then, I could beat you now. He was a tough old guy. And he made a request, and I never quite understood it, but I'm understanding it as I get older. He said, when I go into the land, I'm requesting that I can take Hebron as my inheritance. This old guy asked for the land where the giants were for his inheritance. Now, why do I need to know that today? Because, see, I want to stay faithful for God until I die and not go into a retirement mode. And if that's true, then I must remain in the land where the giants are at. Caleb was smart enough to know, if I remain in the land where the giants are, it will cause me to live at the altar and cause me to stay on the edge. Otherwise, I'll retire and I'll fade. But he says, as long as I'm alive, I want the giants in the land, man. I want to pray. I want to stay on my toes. I want to stay on the edge. Does that make sense to anybody here? I hope so. Well, the spies, they come back and give Moses and the people the report. Ten spies gave a bad report about the land. They said, oh, the fruit is there. Oh, yeah, it's there. And it's big. And that land does flow with milk and honey. But the giants are big. I don't think we can beat them. I think that that we're up against more than we can handle. They're strong. And when we saw the giants, we were like grasshoppers in their sight, and we were like grasshoppers in our own sight. It's going to be hard to live in that land. Caleb and Joshua, no, 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 no. Don't listen to that. We're going to go in and take this land. God will go with us. He will, he will fulfill his promise. We can do it. We can do it. The giants are there, but we can see beyond the giants. Our God's bigger than any giant in the land. They, the, Caleb and Joshua were, were of a whole different spirit. But the people, instead of believing God and his promises, the people bought into what the ten spies with the bad report was saying. And because the people at large did not take God at his word, they died in the wilderness. I'm talking to Christians now. If you don't start taking God at his word, some of you are going to die 20 years before you're supposed to die. If you don't, I remember a black preacher one day, his daughter was dying, and, and he called the hospital, wanted to talk to her. A true story. And they said, well, she's dying. She can't talk. She can't talk. He says, put her on the phone. She can't. Just put the phone up to her ear. And they did. And she said, he said, sweetheart, I have taught you how to pray. I've taught you how to walk with God. If you want to sit there and die, you go ahead and die. But if you don't, you get up and start praising God right now. You shout praises and you, you, you get a hold of him. And she did and she lived. Some of you are going to die in the wilderness. You're never going to have any victories. You're never going to have any joy if you don't take God at his word. I mean, this is a serious call to the Christians today. Now, 
After the death of Moses, Joshua took over and God told him the people lived in the wilderness long enough. It's time to lead them into the promised land. So Joshua sends out two more spies with totally different intentions. He's not sending the spies out this time to check out and see if God is really telling the truth. He's sending them out to form a battle plan because he's going in. He's going to cross that river that we, we left the guy out in the video today. He's going to cross that river. And once you cross the river, baby, you're committed. Now, he told these two spies, go search out the land, find out the truth about the land, go out and we'll form a battle plan. And these two spies went into the land. And so we've got to have a place to stay while we're checking it out. And guess where they went? To the bordello. They went to the neighborhood brothel. They went to the house of a prostitute. Don't you love the Bible? Like, this is so cool. Hope they weren't married. They had some explaining to do when they got home. My God is so out of the box. They thought, we're here to accomplish a mission. We don't care about what people think, whatever. And I think their thinking was, they had no lustful thoughts. That wasn't even in their mind. They thought we can stay inconspicuous because men leave the prostitute's house all the time at different times, day and night. We won't be as conspicuous. Well, they did get found out. And they got ratted on. And the prostitute's name was Rahab. And we'll see in a moment that Rahab goes into rehab. But Rahab was a prostitute. And she looked at these guys. She said, I'll protect you. Said, I believe in your God. I believe in the stories about your God. I believe in the signs and wonders. I believe in the miracles. I believe and I want to be saved. Now, because we're short on time, we're just going to cut to the chase here. I looked at this story with fresh eyes this week, and I saw four symbols of people here, and they're all represented here today. Number one, we have the ten spies who refused to take God at his word. These ten spies symbolize a majority of Christians in America today. We have a form of godliness, but we deny the power thereof. And I've already addressed these people, and some of you are here today. We love you, man. Glad you're here. But you've got to start believing in the Word. Test prayer. Test hearing His voice. Test the spirits. I am still alive today because I'm supposed to bring to Bakersfield and the nation a way of life that works. And that's symbolic of a lot of people today. They live like the world. They're Christians, but they live like the world. They get a bad doctor's report. Before they go to the altar, they go to their doctors and see what they should do. It's okay. I love doctors. We have a slew of them. They're our partners. But you go to the altar first. See what Dr. God says. They go to the medicine cabinets, they go to the psychologist, they go to the counselor, they go to the attorney, instead of going to God first and praying it through. Give me some of that old time religion. So we have the 10 spies. Next, we have the 
people, the mass of people that took their cue from the bad spies. And they go, yeah, they're right, can't do it. These guys say we can't, we can't. They didn't take their cue from Joshua and Caleb from the, from the ten bad spies. Now listen to me. We got masses of people out there today that are watching your life. And you don't want to be a bad spy. Well, you know, we know God's word's there, but it really doesn't work for me. I think there's a mass of people out there looking at some of us, bless our hearts, and they're going, and again, why do you want me to have what you have? Your life's no different than mine. Your marriage is the same as mine. I don't hear any God stories from you. I don't see you pray anything through. I don't see, you, you, your life's like mine. I don't need what you have. When they see somebody like us crazies here, they go, well, I ain't got that. But you all can have this, every one of you. Now, the third people we see is Caleb and Joshua. These were the men with the God stories. They believe if God said it, he will do it, and that settles it for me. See, they represent all the Christians that are living out of the box with the God stories. These people hear God's voice. They pray and see results. They use their spiritual authority. The last character that I want to point out to you is Rahab, the harlot. This woman says, been there, done that. I've slept with so many men, I can't even count it. I've done the drugs. I've done everything the world has to offer. And you know what? I want your God. I want to be a part of you. Now, I want to tell you this. I love the Bible. Rahab is a harlot. And she becomes part of the genealogy of King David and Jesus Christ. She becomes part of the genealogy. See, I wanted to, and then I forgot it was illegal. I told the guys, take flyers out and put them on the strip or every strip club in town. I want them on the windshield wipers. I want them everywhere. You know, God has a reputation of taking the worst people, murderers and killers and prostitutes, and, and making them his main people. I told you before, when God needed a pastor in Bakersfield to do this work, he looked down one day and he goes, you know, there's that Ron Vietti. I think this is the way it went down. I can imagine it. There's Ronaldo, Luigi, Pasquale, Romani, Ovietti. There's a lot of people who love me more than this guy. A lot of guys, there's a lot of guys smarter than this guy. But you know what? I need a little crazy, and I think he'll do. <laughs> See, I, I sent spies in the land. I wanted to know if the Bible worked. I didn't want to take pastor's words for it. I wanted to know for myself, and I found out that it works. A song I've been drawn to all week, and I played it on the way out in the first service, and somebody got offended and threatened to leave the church. So funny, they went to one of my people out there, and they said, you know, I can't believe you ended on a rock and roll song. I cannot believe it. And our leader said, well, how long have you been at VBF? I'm not even going to come back anymore. How long have you been at VBF? Well, 10, 15 years. You're used to our style, aren't you? He played it for non-believers. Well, anyway, I I, I don't want to hurt anybody else, so I won't play it, but it was it was it was BB King and you two. And it's called 
when love comes to town, I'm going to jump that train. When love comes to town, I'm going to catch that flame. Maybe I was wrong to ever let you down, but I did what I did before love came around. Love's flowing through here today, calling your name. Zacchaeus was up in the tree, but love came to town, and he jumped that love train. Rahab jumped that love train. Now listen to me. I just, I mean business right now. Okay. We're going to talk a second. Some of you God's been praying for, or people have been praying for for a long time. I feel so bad for you. You don't know what I know. I never intended to build a big church. In fact, I tried everything in my power sometimes for it not to grow. I'll tell people what I think. I just bring God glory. I live for an audience of one. If he tells me to preach, I preach, and I don't care if it pleases people or not. I never intended for this thing to get this big. Listen to me. Some of you need to give your life to God today. Totally give it to him. I apologize to you for the Christians you've seen that have been bad advertisements. Christians who say they believe, but they don't believe. I call them unbelieving believers. They say they believe in prayer, but they don't, they're not at the altar. Say they believe in hearing God's voice, they never give us any stories. They say they believe in the Holy Spirit, but they don't do like I do. I call on him every single day for help. Say they believe in demons, but they don't take authority. Oh, I have to rebuke demons every week, every week, every week, because I recognize them. Guys, I'm going to read four verses here, and then I'm going to end. The first verse is, Jesus told them, I am the way. The way to what? The way to this lifestyle. I'm the truth and the life. No one can come to the Father except through me. Let's halt. Let's stop for a second. I'm smart enough to know that my sermon today is not going to persuade anybody. But there are people here today that others have been praying for you, and the Father's calling your name. Next verse. They replied, believe in the Lord Jesus, and you will be saved, you and your household. My son is preaching today. You saw him on video. My son-in-law is preaching. My grandkids. I know they would have been saved without me, but I pointed them the way. Some of you dads, you say, well, if I want to go to hell, I'll go to hell. But you're going to take your whole family with you? And when God's promised you this life, I'm telling you, my life is an adventure every day I get up. God, what are you going to do today? Man, what are you? It's crazy. I found it. I want you to have it. Next verse. The thief comes only in order to steal, kill, destroy. I came that they may have enjoy life and have it in abundance to the full until it overflows. And then the last one, Jesus said, everyone who drinks this water will get thirsty again and again. Talk about natural water. Anyone who drinks the water I give will never, ever thirst again. The water I give will be an artesian well within them, gushing up. I wouldn't play games with you. I go through everything you go through, but God goes through it with me. I asked God, Two days ago, I said, what 
do the giants in the land symbolize? He said, that's everything is trying to rob you of your blessings. He said, I will give you power over pornography. I'll give you power over your false and wrong thoughts. I'll give you power over everything if you just come to me in simple childlike faith. Let's look at the, let's look at the, I didn't see the end of the video. Look at the end of the video and then I'm going to be through. Crossed the river. Jesus died and rose again to show you that we have life eternal. And today, for some of you that are new, I've explained salvation like this since I was 25 years old. Every person that came in here today is like a red ball of clay if you've not accepted Jesus. Every person's born like a red ball of clay. You're born in sin. And there comes a time like today when hopefully you'll ask to be born all over again. And the blue ball of clay comes out of heaven in the form of the Holy Spirit, joins your spirit, and you begin to be molded together into a purple ball of clay. I wished I could say more to convince you. When I sat in my garage that day, and I looked up and I said, God, I don't think you're real. I think you're a figment in someone's imagination. And my wife's leaving me and taking my kid. If you're real, I need you. I don't know if you are, but I need you. Give me new life. And that day, the Holy Spirit came down and entered my body. And then I was such a fool that I took every word in that Bible as I'm going to prove it for myself. And I did, and I'm crazy for God today. Guys, listen to me and gals. Today I'm giving you an invitation to leave this building to a different person than who came in. If you turn it down today, more than likely you'll keep turning it down. Today's the day. I made it very convenient for you. Let me pray this right now. Father God, find everybody on the internet and everybody here that doesn't know you today and give them the courage to make a stand today. Let them know that there's a new life awaiting them. They don't have to live the way they've been living. If you're here today and you know God's been calling you and you go, Ron, I'm not going to deny it. I know I need to change. I, I want you men to know that sin is a package deal. You get 2% enjoyment, 98% of hell. It'll never satisfy. Look at the Hollywood movie stars. It'll ne You're chasing an elusive dream. Today, you can turn your life around for your whole family. If you're here right now and you say, Ron, it's me. I'm Rahab. I'm ready. 
Would you do a very bold thing right now? Lift your hand up very high in the air. Raise it up. Don't be ashamed. Say, today's the day. God bless you, buddy. You're even standing. Good for you. Just, just raise your hand up. Say, today, I want to give my life to God. Raise your hand up high. Come on. God is moving through this place. Your heart's beating fast. Today's the day. Today's the day. Would you do me a favor? If you really mean it, if you really mean it, I'm going to ask you to respond in a minute. Can I tell you something funny first? One day, this crazy guy had a party. He was a multimillionaire. And he said, we're going to have a party. And while I'm there, I'm going to see if anybody at my party is a person of real courage. He took them all down the swimming pool, said, everybody come down with me. And he had 40 alligators in the swimming pool. He said, I want to challenge, is there any one brave person here that will jump in the pool, swim the length of the pool, and get out the other side with these alligators in there? No takers. Nobody was that crazy. So I thought at least one of you were that brave. Walked around to leave, and he heard a splash, and some dude swam that whole length of that pool, got up on the other side, and he goes, he came back down with all the people around him. He said, oh, my gosh, wow, I knew one person had gusto here. I knew there was somebody. I'm giving you a million dollars. And the guy said, I don't even care about your million dollars. I just want to know who pushed me in. <laughs> Doesn't matter. He came out a million dollars richer. We might have to push the person next to us today. I'm going to take it another step. Are you with me? If you really meant I want God, you're going to have to make a stand now. I want you to stand to your feet. Would you stand up and say, I'm not ashamed. I need God. Stand to your feet. Stand to your feet. Bless you. Come on, keep standing. You know this is your day. Keep standing. Would you do me a favor? Go with Pastor Hector. Go with him. Just go with him. Get out of your seat. Say, excuse me. Everybody give him a push. Pat him as they go by. Go with Pastor Hector right now. Lead him back, Hector. Lead him back to the back. Just. Come on. Some of you need to stand up and get in this parade. Come on. Get in the parade. Come on. Come on, take it all the way. If you've stood, take it all the way. Don't stop halfway. Keep coming. Wow, wow, wow. If you're watching on video, there's like 100 people, 200. They're leaving. They're going to the altar. Just keep coming. God's moving. Keep coming. Wow, wow, wow. Come on, you guys, give God praise. Is this incredible or what? You're witnessing a move of the Holy Spirit. As they keep coming, listen to me, listen to me. I've said it before and I'm like a broken record. When the Jewish people celebrate holidays, they make it a party. We need a party to start right now. We need a party all day today. You got, you got one of the best Western singers in Kern County going to be out here in just a while. Get your food and get out there. And I love the mariachis. They're here. I'll tell you, I got Hispanic flowing through my veins somewhere. I'm telling you. 
But can we get up? And first of all, before we do, when I count to three, I want us to pour out love to the Lord. He, he, he's alive. He's witnessing what's going on here right now. He's giving us high fives. When I count to three, I want you to take five seconds to tell the Lord how much you love Him. One, two, three. You want to stand and celebrate? I'll spare you the rock and roll song, but we're going to go out on a good old down hole song. So let's stand. After the song's over, you're dismissed. I'll see you out there party hardy and down, okay? Thank you for listening. We pray that this message has ministered to your heart. If you don't already have a church you call home, we invite you to join us at Valley Bible Fellowship for worship, Bible study, fellowship, and more. We're at 2300 East Brundage Lane in Bakersfield, California, near Mount Vernon and Freeway 58. Reach us by phone at 661-325-2251 or visit our website at vbf.org.